Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 1871 podcast. But before I introduce tonight's guest, I'd like to send a get well message to Royals fan Alex Blissett, who has COVID, like a lot of, a lot of us have. Um, so get well soon to Alex. And um, just want to let you know that um, Roger Ware is backed by popular demand for another guest appearance tomorrow evening. And Roger has been a Royals fan for 72 years almost. He was sports editor at the Reading Chronicle, and he'll be talking about the record-breaking Royals, the Simog Cup final, John Modeski, Yuri Geller, among other things. So that's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. Um, but without further ado, it's time to introduce our special guests. So Mike and Grace Kearney, hello and a warm welcome to both of you. How are you, how are you both? Yeah, hello there. Thank you for calling us. Yeah. Hi, Mark. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Okay. And I can see, and we'll we'll try and put this on social media. I can see, Mike, you've got one of your Reading shirts in the background, that that glorious classic blue and yeah. white hoops with the Elm Park logo, the old logo, and, and a team okay. photo. Um so we we'll try and put um that on social media so people can see it because obviously the podcast is audio only. But the team photo you got behind you, Mike. Um, what year? What season was that? Oh, I'll need, I'll need to check it. Hold on. Yeah. Was it the title season? <laughs> yes. Seventy-eight. Seventy-nine. Fourth division. We won the fourth division. 78-79, Yeah. Yeah. So, so Mike, by way of an introduction to you first, you were born in Glasgow, and and you haven't uh, probably it's toned down a little bit compared to what it was once, but you can still hear the accent of course um so born in glasgow play for shrewsbury and chester and then you play for reading 78 to 80 so you were part of the title winning side in 1979 first title for more than 50 years of course uh you were joint top scorer in 79 80 with pat earls with 16 goals i think uh, right uh, um and then you briefly went back to chester in 1980 but then you came back to reading later that same year and you were 
at Reading for best part of another three years, I think it was. And in total, you made 168 appearances, 45 goals, and, and you played, you know, yourself and some of the other players in, in those days, Kerry Dixon, Neil Webb, Richie Bowman, Steve Hetsky, to name a few, you know, some real Reading legends and heroes there as well that you that you played with, as well as yourself, of course, Mike. Um, and, and you've... Um, and you've both been involved in the club for, for many years and a lot of people will remember you both from running the Royals Rendezvous and you've um, you've both been in the club, involved in the club since then as well. So I'm going to be asking you about that. But Mike, if I could start with you first, can you can you start by telling us how your move the, the first time round to Reading, how that came about? Ah, uh, oh, a good question. This is in the days before mobile phones and all that, remember. Um, I think, I think Morris must have contacted Morris Evans was the manager. And um, I, I guess he must have contacted me. I can't quite remember, if I'm honest. But he must have, because he took over from um, Charlie Hurley, I think it was, at Redden. And he contacted me um, when I was at Chester, my first spell at Chester wasn't too bad, but the second one was wasn't very good. And uh, yeah, I just wanted another chance to come come and play play with Morris, you know. Um, I, you know, I can't quite remember how it all happened. There was a lot of probably going to a, going to a phone box and a lot of phone calls backwards and forwards, you know, and stuff like that. But yeah. but Morris actually. To, to make it more clear, Morris signed me at Shrewsbury when he, he got the manager's job at Shrewsbury. And I was his first signing. I was the first player Morris signed as a manager. And that's where the connection with me and him began, you know? Yeah. And then he came to Reading and via Chester, I ended up at Reading twice, you know? Yeah. And, and just tell us a little bit about your, your time at the club. Obviously, part of that, First title for more than fifty years, you know what? What was the the atmosphere like at that time? Well, it's, 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 I'm sure the, the lads can remember better than me, but it was um, it, it was nothing. The atmosphere was nothing. Uh, it was just a, a, a daily daily getting on with a job, you know. It was nothing. There was no coverage like you, you've got now with football, obviously. Um, and we just go week to week who we played, and there wasn't a lot of massive tactical stuff or anything like that. We just did with, with, with drill training and stuff. But we used to train in a, a little place called Brock Barracks, which is still there. It's a little, it's a little sort of park area off the Oxford Road. There was no training ground or anything like that, or, or Prospect Park. Sometimes we trained in. So yeah. I think we done well to win the to win the fourth division. Yeah. Having the best facilities in the world, you know. Um, yeah, and, and you, you you must have some, some great memories. You appreciate it more as you go older that you did something. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And a lot of good lads in that team as well, smashing lads, you know. Yeah, and 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 some great memories, I'm I'm sure. And playing with the likes of Kerry Dixon, Neil Webb, Richie Bowman, Steve Hetsky, Martin Hicks. The list goes on, really, and you know. A lot of great players at, at Reading. Bevan as well, Stuart Bevan. Yeah, Stuart Bevan, yeah. just the list goes on, doesn't it? And yeah. what, was, what was it about that team? Because obviously you had something about you, you know, great players, 
um, but a, a great team as well. And you need that to, to win a title, don't you? Yeah, you, you need to be good enough to win, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're, we're a small group, you know. There wasn't, there wasn't a big dressing room. It's not like nowadays. It was about maybe 14 to 16 of us mainly as a, as a, as a squad of players, which makes it even more remarkable, really, that, that we won it. Um, I just think, basically, we all got on all right together. We all, we all seem to just... Turn up for training, get the dress, get changed, go and do your training, and then go and play your match. You know, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't scientific or anything like that. You know, yeah. Just go try your best. That was all we tried. You know. Yeah, there you go. And and obviously, a lot of people remember you as a as a player, but a lot of people who know you, Mike, will will know you and and Grace as well. Uh, and Grace, if I could bring you in now, um, can you remember how you know back to when you and Mike? Met was it something to do with football? Was it you know how how did you meet and you know yeah. how... <laughs> <laughs> we we both came from near the same area. Uh, we went to the same school, and um, really, Michael was my big boyfriend, my only one. So we've been married for fifty one years now. So uh, it was just through school and through friends, and you know when we used to go out, we would meet up with other friends and that's just how it happened yeah and when um you know when when he's on his travels with the different clubs and Shrewsbury Chester then down to Reading back up to Chester back down to Reading what did yeah. you what did you make of all that I never really bothered much about football my, my my dad did and my brother did they were mad Celtic supporters and my brother played for Hamilton Ackies and so he was always sort of a, a footballer too but I never really bothered that much about it. In fact, Michael was at Aston Villa when I met him um, again when he came back home to Glasgow. Uh, he was playing for Aston Villa and then he got an injury. And then he, after that, he went to Fulham. Uh, and then he came back from Fulham and then he signed for Shrewsbury. And then we moved down to Shrewsbury um, 1972, was it? Mm-hmm. Around about that, 71, yeah? 72. And... Um, we went down to Shrewsbury with his the little guy that got Morris to to scout Scare. Michael, Scare. and um, and then we went there. Morris looked after us, found us a house, and um, and after that we were there for five years. But I was very quiet and very shy, so I sort of stayed in the background all the time. Yeah. And then, okay. and, then um, and I just let Michael get on with playing his football. <laughs> yeah, and and then a bit of a. To and fro between Chester and Reading, wasn't there? Because uh, Mike, you came yeah. down to, to Reading, but then back to Chester and back to Reading. Yeah. What, what did you well, make? What, of had happened, what, what had happened was um, obviously Michael got asked if we would come back to Chester, but Michael's dad had passed away, and his mum was in Scotland on her own, and we thought we'd be closer to her if we went back to Chester. It wasn't anything to do with the football; it was more to do with family, and. Um, of course, I stayed in Reading. Oh, I stayed in Reading, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stayed in Reading and Michael um, went to Chester. And then I, I was having a baby then. So we just stayed there until I had my baby. And, and then Michael came back to Reading. So uh, a lot of people wanted him to come back, so which was nice. And, uh, and Morris and everybody was really nice. So... We decided to stay in Reading, you know, for the kids as well. So, 
Yeah, that, that's what happens though, Mike, doesn't it? If, you, if you're a goal scorer, then a club where you've scored goals want you to come back, don't they? That happens sometimes, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. But I think you also, the managers, they get to know you and you get to know them a bit. And when I look back, I, th- I like to think they, they, obviously they must have thought something of me because the manager of Chester was a guy called Alan Oakes who played for the, the Great Man City team that won the league in, in 67 or something like that. And uh, so he signed me twice, actually, and Morris signed me three times. So in that little bit, I like to think, well, they either completely didn't know what they were doing or they had a little bit of faith in me, you know? So yeah. it was good. It was good. Yeah, and, and you know, anyone who's scoring goals is, is always going to be a fan's favourite as well. What what would was your, if you like, your relationship like with the fans from your perspective? You mean at Reading? Yeah. Yeah. Um, initially, not very good, I don't think, being honest. Um, like Grace said, I was still... I was I was doing a lot of travelling backwards and forwards from Chester to to Redden, and I was dead lucky because there was a smashing little guy called Dennis Nelson who played up front at the time for Redden, and on the Tyhurst Road behind the Park, I, I ended up lodging with him, him and his wife and the kids. It saved saved me quite a lot of time, and it made it more comfortable for me. And uh, the unfortunate thing about that was, see, Dennis was getting transferred; he was getting moved on. So when I came, I stayed with him and then he, I don't know how long it was, but he, he moved back to Crew. He was from Crew, you know. Smashing lad, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, I think I'm uh, right in saying you, you both knew my, my dad, didn't you? How, how, yeah. did, how did you yeah. get to yeah. meet yeah. dad? He Smashing. Was, he was Brilliant. lovely. He was always funny. He was lovely. And, um... Just come in the pub. Come in the pub and see us. <laughs> we, we had the horse and jockey in Castle Street, so he came in there a few times. And then, obviously, when we moved over. But, no, it was really nice. And it was so sad to hear that he had gone and passed away. And we wanted to go to his funeral, but COVID. we had COVID. Michael's boys that he had on his bus had COVID. So we didn't want to chance it with people or anybody, anybody there. No, yeah. well, thank you. And, and for anyone who's listening who who doesn't know a lot of you will know but um brian roach my, my dad was uh director at reading so obviously got to know a lot of the, the players um now one thing that you're both very well known for is the royals rendezvous um <laughs> so tell tell the story about how that came about well it was um roy roy tranter met us once we were at a, i think he was doing a lions function a lions do and he said um they're looking for someone to run the Royals Rendezvous because seemingly, obviously, before it wasn't going very well because they tried to make it a bit posh, like a restaurant. And so it kept all the supporters away. Um, so that's not what we wanted. We wanted to sort of get there and, and bring it all back again. So Michael and I made the decision um, to, to go for the job. And it was Roger Smee who interviewed us. And... Um, and unbeknown to us, a wee while later, Sir John Modesky took it over. And we thought, oh, this is us. We might be at the door now. But it wasn't. It was a really good relationship we had with him as well. So um, he was really good with us. And he left us to get on with it. And that's what we did. We tried to do as much as we could. Because um, at that time, um, Reading Football Club relied on the money from the rendezvous, you know, when they needed money for things. And, and it was nice. At, to find to think that it did 
And we could, um, we had some great staff there. We had um, Viv Neat, who was Gordon Neat's wife. God bless her. She helped me in the kitchen. She was always a great person to have there. And then um, we had a few girls, Anne and Julie and Sarah, uh, a lot of people that were just loved Redden and loved the club and they worked when we needed them to work, you know. So it was really good. It was a nice family atmosphere all the way through from the rendezvous to Elm Park because everybody was working together as a team and we helped each other and anything we had to do to make things better, we did it, you know. So it was all right. We were we were really busy and tired sometimes, but we yeah, did it. Imagine. And, and Royal's Rendezvous was was really popular. And Mike, I know you got to to know quite a few of the the, the players at, at that time as well through running mm-hmm. Royal's Rendezvous, didn't you? Dylan being one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was yeah, one of the characters, yeah. They used to come in for lunch quite a lot, the boys, yeah. you know, and um, and they were always funny and they were always nice. And we had a good laugh with them all, you know, and uh, um, just like, it was just really so nice, you know. Nobody was ever horrible to anybody. Everybody got on really well and it was nice, you know. Yeah. And can you tell me, both of you, what you've been up to um, since Roar's Rendezvous days? Because I, I think you've both been involved yeah. in the club in some way shape or form haven't you since then yeah well I went to the Modeski in hospitality um starting up like hostesses and and dealing with people in hospitality and helping um Boyd Butler who was there at the time um I worked with Boyd hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And then after that, they sort of, uh, when the catering company came in, the hostesses were all set up. Then I moved on to work with Ray Booth, who, you know, I worked with him for quite a long time. And uh, I was like his assistant. And I was in, into everything, really. I was doing like stewarding. I was um, organizing their pay salaries and stuff like that. And I was organizing um, who, who does what on a match day and stuff like that. So I was always uh, really, really busy. And then there was another man called Clive Doyle, who was a safety officer. And Clive was brilliant. He taught me a lot of stuff in the safety issues and working in the, um, with the steward and stuff like that. And then after that, I worked for Ray to the end and then I got ill and I had to leave. And then I went back again uh, and then I had to leave again because my brother died and I spent my last week with him. And I just, there was just something that happened one after the other, you know, and um then that was it. I had to leave. But, you know, it was very sad to leave because football then was part of my life. Mm. And and I more or less worked nearly every department. <laughs> yeah. So I sort of I knew a bit about everything. Um, and um, so I enjoyed it. And it was still, we still had a good relationship with the, the you know, like Ray Booth was my boss. And then there was Nigel Howe and and Brian and um, and the chairman and everything. We seem to all got on quite well, you know. 
And Michael had the hardest task. I mean, he had to, you can tell him, you took over the lottery. Mm. And then after the lottery, he went into the training ground. So he had the hardest task, you know. Yeah. Tell us about that, Mike. Um, you know, what your involvement in the club since the Raw's rendezvous days. Well, uh, as Grace says, uh, I ended up in the, the lottery department try, trying to manage that. And I couldn't have done it without any of the staff. And they, they'll know who they are if they, if they watch this. And they, and they were excellent in the main. And it was a big learning curve. Although I was dealing with a lot of financial stuff and running the rendezvous, doing the, the scratch card operation was, <laughs> was a different ball game altogether. Um, and I like to think we did well at it. Um, and they're still doing the Golden Gamble now, actually. On match day, they still do the, the match day Golden Gamble. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a big learning curve for me again, another one. Yeah. And then they decided, whoever the powers that be decided to, that they didn't need it anymore. And then they, they, they well moved on and I ended up being asked to, to manage Hogwood, the training ground. Again, yeah. huge... Huge, huge difference. Although I was in amongst footballers and all the rest of it and all that that brings, it was very hard. It took me at least two years to get to get to grips properly with the whole operation, you know. Mm. But I like to think by the end of it, I was, I was well on top of it and, and understood it all and tried to manage it the best I could, you know. I didn't think any interference either, really. Ray, Ray Booth and Nigel just let me go on with things, you know. Yeah. Very good. I'm, I enjoyed I'm, it at Hogwood. I enjoyed it at Hogwood. It was, in the end, it was terrific, you know. Yeah. And, and Mike, I just want to ask you, you know, going back to your days as a player and, and you know, everything that's happened since, what, what do you think some of the biggest changes you saw, you know, into the 80s and then the 90s and then the, you know, fantastic success the, the club had um, when John Medeski was, was chairman? What What were... You know, what do you pick out as some of the biggest changes that you've seen happen to the club since your playing days? Well, I, th- I think I think um, certainly moving to the, the stadium was a huge, huge uh, thing to do. Um, having their own training ground again was another huge thing. Bear in mind, you, you know what Elm Park was like and the surrounding parts that we trained on. So that, that that was huge. But it still wasn't in the magnitude that things are now. I mean it's just mushroomed and, and got bigger and bigger, hasn't it? And I think with Sky and the way the Premier League's developed and Sky's involvement and everything, it's uh, it's increased it beyond belief. The the, the, the facility wise, the coverage wise for spectators, it's 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 a whole massively different world in twenty odd years. Massive. Would you um, would you have liked to have sort of had the experience of, of playing the way it is now, or are you quite happy that you you were a player back in those days when it was, you know, a completely different um, sort a bit of, of both, a bit of both, really. I, I, I was when I look back, I was I was never always happy when I played. I must say, you know, obviously, but when I look back, I was happy how most of the time it went. Um, Hard as it was, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like, I would, I, would, I would like to have played now. Yeah, I would like to have had a bash now, and I'm, I'm sure several of the boys I played with at Reading, they would be 
more than up for playing now as well if they could. And more than that, they'd be well able for it as well, you know. But we didn't have the pitches and the and the the balls and the footwear and and, and everything else. You, yeah. you you know what I'm saying. You didn't, we didn't have all of that. You just got on with it. You just got on with what you had, you know. Yes, Some right. of us didn't even have two pair of boots, maybe just one pair of boots for the season, you know, stuff like that. Um, we had Trevor Cena on as a guest and he said he, he doesn't think he would have scored anywhere near the the goals that, that he scored back in those days because of the, you know, the style of play, the pitches, and uh, he, he just thinks he wouldn't have been able to sort of score, you know, he wouldn't have been as prolific. Um, but Mike, can I, can I ask you, um, back in those days, we, we named a, a lot of, you know, fantastic players that, that you played with and people would say the same about you of course um who, who was your who did you would you say you really enjoyed playing with at, at, in your two spells at Reading definitely definitely dead easy that one I don't want to offend any of the rest of them because they're sensitive lads you know a lot of them still um but we Richie Bowman was brilliant loved Richie and Pat Errols was different class great lad they were all good lads you know and uh but certainly Richie and Pat, I would say, were... Um, and Deathy as well, of course. Yeah. Steve Death as well. Terrific, you know. Um, we, Richie and I, we used, to, we used to have a laugh when we played at times, you know. If he didn't pass the ball to me properly, he'd say, I just, knew, I just knew your face, that I hadn't done it right and stuff like that, you know. We used to just have a, a great little player as well, Richie. Yeah. And Kerry Dixon, did you, you know, from your yeah. time playing with him, did you have an inkling that he would go on to sort of achieve the success he did at, at, at Chelsea? I didn't have an inkling. I'd be lying if I said I had an inkling. But I could see he was a, he was going to go somewhere. Because um, when I came back, they signed Kerry in between me leaving Redden and going to Chester. And then I came back and... Uh, and he wasn't really in the team much. When I came back, he was, I think he was substitute quite a lot then, Mark, you know, Kerry. And we only had the one substitute, of course, in those days. And uh, But it was the following season that he took off from, and he was, um, well, in my time there, and even since I'd put him at the top, I, personally, I think he was terrific. And he proved it, because he went to Chelsea and, and proved how good he was, you know. Best best I've ever seen we flick on and running in behind. I don't remember him ever missing. He might have missed, but I don't remember him missing too often when he was through and goal one-on-ones or anything like that. He just finished terrific, you know. Top class, definitely. Yeah, and I'd like to ask you both now about, um, you know, what you what you make of what's happened to the club um, in the last sort of few seasons since John Medeski sold the club. Obviously, different owners um, hasn't gone very well this season. So, Mike, I'll ask you, and then you, Grace, if that's okay. So, Mike, what, what do you what do you make of um, you know the the way the club's gone in the last few years since John Medeski sold the club, uh, and obviously that you know what do you think about this season and Paul Ince and all, all the rest of it. I just think, as far as the chairman goes, I still call him the chairman, John Medeski. I've always called him chairman. And I see him sometimes. He comes in the hotel or the, the stadium. I, mean, I see him sometimes in the gym, believe it or not. But I think when he left, and then consequently the break in the relationship with Nigel being chief exec and then not being chief exec, I think they missed a big, big 
bit of a personal touch, you know. A sort of a place that you could go to. And I, I, I mean, I drive and I work for the academy and I'm in and out all the time, but I don't, I'm not really sure myself who's doing what, you know. But with the chairman, it was, I mean, we had some disagreements, the chairman and Nigel and me, but you could at least have a good conversation with him and, and, knew, and knew sort of where, where you stood. I'm not sure about, I know the owners put in a lot of money to the club, but I'm not sure. In fact, I don't even, I wouldn't know him if I seen him, but I'm, I'm not, I know it's different for, especially for fans like yourselves and that, but he's put a, a lot of his t- own money into the, the club and I'm sure he's trying his best for it. Um, and for whatever reasons, it's, it's maybe not worked greatly, but they'll come back. It sort of goes in cycles at times, you know, how, how teams do it. And don't forget, you've been in the Premier League twice and that, and that was a massive achievement. And I think the chairman was, was he still the chairman mm-hmm. for both of them? Yeah. Yeah. So they, you, can't, you can't knock that. That was fantastic. Fantastic. And Grace, same question to you, because you've been involved in the club for a very long time, for yeah. many, many years. You know, what, what are your thoughts last few years and... Well, yeah, I'm a big, reasons. I'm a really big fan of Sir John Modeski. I thought he was brilliant at Redden. Um, I felt that all the departments had the people working in them, all worked together, and they had a person to go to to find out whether it was good or whether it was bad. And we had all our togetherness and worked really hard on match days. Um, when it wasn't match days, we worked the rugby. Everything was great. But now I don't feel when I go there, it's the same place. You don't have your hostesses anymore. You don't have um, people helping you anymore. It's a bit, to me, it was a bit of a ramble. I went a couple of weeks ago when they did that 150-year game thing. And there wasn't even a closeness for the old players um, because everybody was stuck in a different place. You know, some players were in one room, another player was in another room. Michael and I, which was very nice of the club to do it and to be asked, because that's the most important thing. People don't get asked to do anything now. You you sort of feel, I know when you get older, you shouldn't think you still matter. But a lot of people there did matter that worked really hard, especially in the stadium department. You know, I mean, Ray's there on his own now, really. And he's got about two men working for him there. When you think what he did... Was he actually helped build that place? He knows every little nook and cranny. He knows everything about it. And look where it is now. I mean, nobody knows who any, what anybody does now. You know, it's, it's just it's just not right with the way it is now. It's just not, you don't get a nice feeling about it when you go back now. You feel as if, you know, I mean, we don't. I don't go back very often. It's only if Michael wants me to go back with him. But it's just... We're, I'm, we're very grateful that Michael's still there, but he has he had a passion for football. He worked in football, and he knows a lot of things about football. But you, you, he's driving a bus now, you know, for the academy boys, and you know, and 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 that's our life now. It's just, you know, it's quite sad, really, because you don't have your people like your dad and your tranters and all these people that kept you together. You know, they always invited you to things. They always asked you things. And you don't have that now. You don't have that now. Uh, and Mike, la- last question for you, if, if I could. Um, 
what would you like to see happen with the club? You, you said that you know things will um, turn around. You you, you sort of uh, were quite positive about that. But what would you like to see happen next, if you like? Well, they, they, they need to sort out their, their manager thing, obviously. Um, and everybody's got an opinion, haven't they? Who should be a manager, who shouldn't be a manager? I, even I've got an opinion, and I keep to myself. But um, the biggest thing, you know, is you just got to get somebody in and can get results. The things that generally keep people happy, obviously, is, is, is winning. And if you're not winning, you're going to be under a lot of scrutiny, aren't you? So you just need to try and get a winning formula. Let's say Mark McGee had back when he was there. Brilliant team they were under Mark and Elm Park with, with Steve Coppel and with Brian. Brian, brilliant lad, Brian. Brian McDermott, smashing. So they, you, you need to somehow get into that, how that happened, you know. I don't know how, how, how to do it, but um, something along those lines, those types of people, perhaps, you know. Or maybe the game's moved on and it's went beyond that, I don't know. But the biggest thing is you've got to go and win your games. You know, that's 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 the hard part. That's what the fans want, isn't it? Well, look, yeah. that's, um, that's all we've got time for. Um, a reminder that Roger Ware is our returning guest tomorrow. That's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. So all that leaves me to say is thank you to our special guests, Mike and Grace Kearney. Uh, been great to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.